curiosity. What are you so curious about? Everything, Mr. Curiosity. All righty, folks, Mr. Curiosity here, Joe Snedeker, and I have uh, two special guests. You have to do the intro for me, uh, Brittany. Are you ready? Here you go. Say, our special guest today is the one, the only... Andy Palumbo. Wow! <laughs> best intro I have ever received. See, best intro ever, right? 40, this is... 43 years in broadcasting, best intro ever. See, we're breaking new ground with a uh, with a with an introduction to our guest today because he's in-house. Mm-hmm. Does he love me? Does he hate me? Maybe that'll come out today. We have so much to discuss. It's the great Andy Palumbo. You know what's weird about this, Andy? Sir. When I do in-house people here at WNEP, right. I feel like... I'm cheating because it's too easy. We want to get outsiders. But yet, these are the most popular ones. And I think yours is going to be boom. Everyone <laughs> wants to know about Andy Palumbo. No, not necessarily, but go ahead and ask away. And first of all, i got to say, I'm a little uncomfortable now because I've never been in, an, in a room with just you, okay. I don't think, talking, serious for 45 minutes or an hour. No, we haven't. And so I kind of want another person here. I want... Some people might be driving by. You never know. <laughs> I have this thing in life, and this is my hang-up. It's called the two-man rule. Yeah, I know, because I've asked you many times, let's go out to lunch, let's do this, let's do that, and you won't do it. And I hope you don't th- take it as it's, it has nothing to do with homophobia or anything like that. It's just like when I'm just with one other person, mm-hmm. unless I guess it's my wife or my son or daughter or something, I just feel like... I have been blown off by better people than you. <laughs> I just feel so like you need three I, to have fun. I take no offense. No, you don't. Yeah, well, see now, because we need someone here to laugh at our jokes. And if it's just you and me, there's no one laughing. I, okay, that part That's I That's the two-man rule part. And then I need you to pick on me, and then that person laugh, and me to pick on you, and then uh, yeah, whatever. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rise above my hang-ups. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> one thing we have to get to, and maybe if you want to address this. I, I, wa- I want to be a mom more than anything else in the world. Are you mocking a couple of guests we've had in the past? I I just giving you material for a promo later on. But go ahead. Uh, I I don't know. No, yeah, I want to get this out of the way now. Okay, and then we'll get to the arc of your life. Sure. Do you even like me? You know, and and I we've discussed. I've discussed this with other people. You and I personally get along fine. I know, but. On the air when we worked together, especially the early days, you know, 20-some years ago now. Yeah. It took us a while to find the right groove. And because of and that, because people of that, still people think, think we don't yes, get along. Yes, I know. You know, we, we had problems meshing on the air for a while. Right. And once we got that hammered out, everything was fine. And the funny part about that problems on the air is off camera, we have a lot of overlapping similarities and characteristics. Yes. Right? Oh, sure. And, and Andy, you folks listening don't realize this, but when he is news guy, he turns into stoic, <laughs> no messing around, no frills guy. Yeah, well, of course. And you believe that's how it should be. And I don't believe that. And that's where the, uh, the static began. clash. So I realized that when I worked with you, I had to come up a little bit and you had to come down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and, and we so finally we met after level. a decade or two, right? Uh, yeah, more like two decades, yeah. <laughs> But if someone asked me who are my five top buddies at WNEP, you'd probably be on the list. Oh, Isn't I'm that sure. weird? No, yeah, no doubt. Same here. Yeah, so that that is the weird part and here, you know, folks. The, the thing I feel stupid about discussing this is it's TV. 
You know, no one dies. Okay. You know, oh, God. It's, you know, the, oh, what a horrible thing. They don't have chemistry. You know, it's like people have a lot more important so things to worry So you're saying so what? Yeah, 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 so what? Well, I think you have to admit a big part of broadcasting is – It is. Yeah, and, you and, want you – know, The NBC Today show had problems because their people didn't have chemistry and the Good Morning America did. Yes. Good Morning America is number one. Yeah. And still yeah. trying to figure it out. And CBS – Still hasn't figured out what to do in the morning. You see, now you're turning into news guy. You're right. There's a fine line between, um, you know, the, the stoicism I mentioned in news, mm-hmm. the old Cronkite variety. Yeah, that's what I grew up on. And then there's sometimes too much TMZ. So how do you find that middle path? It's difficult. It's always a challenge. All right. Well, let's go back. We'll get to that stuff later. We're going back to the beginning when Andy Palumbo was a zygote. Okay. Just born. Do we want to say the year? Yeah, sure. 61. 61. And I'm 66. So we're same generation? Generally. Mm, actually, no. I think you go from baby boomer. Yeah. And I'm generation X, I think. Oh, my right. goodness. I got in at the tail end of the baby boomer. Yeah, you're the tail end of the boomers. Mm-hmm. Does this mean that... Um, all right, so you're born in Lackawanna County, 1961. Right. Dad military? Uh, not at the time, but he did serve in Korea. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So there's that end of it. Now, um, so you're born. You're a public school guy, regular yeah. guy, Lackawanna County. Correct. Not Mr. Uh, highbrow, not Mr. Lowbrow. No, no, average middle class, working class family. Definitely. Yeah, you know, you know, you know where you know, <laughs> no, you know where I live because it's, I heard it's not the Hamptons. <laughs> I have never seen your house. I heard from other people, and I'm getting this out on um, on the podcast now that your dad you, he was like a big real estate developer or something. So that puts you at the tail in a, end before he slowed down and retired. Yeah, he was. He and a partner were involved in a housing development. Oh, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. So, so were you then too old to get involved, or at least um, get get uh, interested in that? Never was. He always, my dad always suggested, and I'm not going to say pushed, but suggested, you know, why don't you do real estate? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do something that was sort of ancillary to what he was doing so we could, you know, work together and have a family member on projects? But Which would be pretty cool. It would be, but it just, you know, it was, just wasn't there. You know, it just wasn't something I was interested in. Well, I have to ask, was he involved with that because of his dad or his family? Or no, no, he just no, picked no, that up no. out of nowhere. Uh, my grandfather, who I never met, died very young. Okay. And, uh, you know, the old days, you know, you uh, they had a little mom and pop uh, grocery store. Uh, not a little mom and pop. It was probably the size of this room, even though people don't know what the size of this room is. And, uh, you know, dabbled in a lot of things. And as someone did in the Depression era. Right. So, no, well, no, my father's father uh, wasn't in any of that at all. But your dad's backhoes, excavators, yeah. moving soil, moving mm-hmm. boulders. And to me, that's every kid's fantasy when you're 8, 9, 10, 11 years old. No, never. No, I had, you, you, you wouldn't, yeah, I want to I want to work the bulldozer. It, no, dad, not at all. It isn't ter- that it, something? It terrified me. Get out of yeah, here. Yeah, like I was always afraid. <laughs> And not just personally, I was afraid for my dad. You know, like, this stuff is dangerous. And Really? Yes, and he would always be out plowing snow and doing things. And I would fret like you wouldn't believe. Like, you know, and there was Get out of that, here. That, that relief when you heard the door open. You know, Get out of here. Worried for nothing because, you know, plowing snow and doing those things, you know, they can be dangerous. 
but usually they aren't. And but still, I I had tremendous anxiety over that. I hated that. See, things are coming together in my mind now that you're revealing this because there's been instances where I'd say, you know, what are you doing this weekend? You'd ask me, I'm doing this, and you're like, well, be careful. And right. I'm like. What guy would say that oh, to another guy? So you're like a worrier. I, oh, I'm extre- an extreme. He's a worrier, folks. See what's coming up. <laughs> like, you ever, like power tools. Like, you know, here, hold this board while you I cut it. And no. I would, like, just hold Get it out of here. And have my head turned and my eyes closed. Yeah, Where I, does that come from? That's I, just built into the DNA of Andy Palumbo. Probably just some anxiety or something like that. Yeah, I don't like power tools. I don't like machinery. I don't like... I can watch, you know, like there were times over the years people would have to come and wire something or rewire something or repair something or run a phone line. I'd love watching it. I used to enjoy Bob Vila (laughs) in this old house. Now it's unwatchable. But back in the Bob Vila days, I'd love watching that stuff. I couldn't do it. I was afraid of it. I had no skills whatsoever, but maybe, I loved watching it. But maybe, see, we're get, we, this was not planned. Maybe this is the core of your whole career because news is is worrisome. It's drama. It's 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 in some ways the the worst things that could happen. I had a news director, not here, down the street, say. Being a worrier is what made me a good reporter. Yes. Because you fret the facts. You want to get it right. You're constantly checking and rechecking and double-checking. You know, I go over scripts like three, four times in the morning. Yeah, it's all tied in. I'm sure Evil Knievel would not make a good reporter. Well, (laughs) when you're strapping yourself in the rocket, I think there was a little bit of worry there. No, I don't think so. Not for him. Maybe fearless. I don't know. So then, so then, uh, here's little Andy Plumbo growing up, ter- yeah. turning away from backhoes and bulldozers and snowplows. Right. Uh, you're in elementary school, middle school, high school. Did you know from the beginning, I got to get into news? No. no. When I was a little kid, and I go back, I was thinking about because the 50th anniversary of the Agnes Flood is coming up, and I remember sitting with my mom listening to the radio the night before the river came over, even though we were nowhere near it, but it was still fascinating. Lackawanna was bloated, too. Correct. Wasn't anywhere near that. I'm right, right, I'm right, on a, right. I'm on a hill, but be that as it may, I was always listening to the radio as a kid, not as a tiny kid, not for the music, but I liked the DJs and the jingles and the news and the staging, and the showbiz and that part about it. That's the part I liked. Yeah, but you're a news guy. Why didn't you like the news? Because you were a kid. You're saying at the time. No, I did like the news, but but the whole it wasn't. I'd listen to the radio, but not for the music. For everything else, isn't that interesting? I like the music. Don't get me wrong, but that was the part that drew me to it. Like, oh, look at listen to the jingles. Boy, God, that DJ's great. You know that sort of stuff. All right, but when you're like 12, 13, 14, 15, people start thinking about careers. What am I going to do? Yeah. What, what, should I go into this? Uh, realm in high school, the academics, should I take my chemistry? Should I go more business? What were you thinking back then? Well, there then? weren't many choices at uh, a pretty poor public high school. That I went to. <laughs> so I always knew I wanted to do something TV radio-ish. Is that right? But this is, uh, again, getting into my psyche again. You know, my, my, That's my, what we're doing my here. Friends I'm curious. Knew. I told my friends, but I was afraid to Tell the world, like, because it wasn't something, you know, Dad, I want to be a DJ. Oh, you know, you're like, right. It right. Wasn't, I never really, I thought about being a teacher. I thought about meteorology. I thought about a lot of things. You hear what he just said? I never knew this. And until I, like, until this I, is like the confessional here. <laughs> until, until I found out about the math. Okay, right. And right. then that one, well, that one went off the list really quick. But no, it was something like, you know, I, I want to do the news. I want to be, uh, you know, that wasn't something. And I really never intended to be on TV. I was 
always wanted to be a producer more than a reporter anchor. But anyway, that wasn't something like you told people. It sounded like a silly fantasy, so I really didn't get serious about telling people what I wanted to do until it was time, you know, the last couple of years of high school when it was time to pick a college and declare this is what I want to be. Well, you're right now that you make that point because even though there's only five years that separate us, didn't FM start to become with cool DJs and WKRP in Cincinnati and Johnny uh, Dr. Fever and mm-hmm. all these guys? That really didn't become something until the mid-late 70s. That's right when I'm 12, 13, 14. Right, late And to 70s. me, that seemed cool. But the glory days. But before that, there was the no glory, coolness. The, no, the glory days of AM radio, there was nothing like it. Yeah, but it wasn't cool is what yes, I'm saying. Yes, it was. It was? Oh, yes, it was. Because First of all, it was all there was. You know, no one listened to FM. And if you did have FM, it was beautiful music. It was elevator music. It was that sort of stuff. And it's the exact opposite for me. FM was the cool stuff because of this five-year difference. And AM was for was old passe, people. For the old people. Yeah. Exactly. But no. Well, good Lord, no. You know, the, the glory Whoa. days of AM radio, WABC in New York and... Warm around here and WSCR and WILK and WBAX. I have no connection personally to any oh, of those things. No, the glory days of AM radio is fantastic. See, I'm thinking the birth of Rock 107, 99.1 in Binghamton, and this is rock. Oh, but you. That was fine, and, and they do a wonderful job, and Prospector at Rock 107, <laughs> mutual friend. We both love the guy. Right, no, but I'm just but, trying to get into he, your mind. And he does a wonderful job. Because but, that's all cool stuff, but you. No, I, but what is that now? It's song after song after yeah, song no, after song. I know, no, no, no. What's the. Cre- you know. All right. <laughs> all right, so you're 15, 16, 17. Right. You're doing good in school. You're a smart guy. You know this. And then, and then it's time to now pick a pick a pick a, a career. What are you thinking? Right. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> folks, you can't see the face. It was just back in my day, and I don't know if it's the same way now. But you can report your SATs to three schools for free. I yeah. After that, you had to pay, and I thought I'm not paying. <laughs> and you're not going to ask the parents, I, right? Yeah, I picked Marywood, the University of Scranton, and just for the third. The University of Florida. Wow. See, now that's bizarre right there. You have two univer- schools University within 10 miles in one because I a knew, thousand miles. I knew. And they would, my SATs were not fantastic, but they were pretty good. And they kept on sending me these brochures that looked like travel things and yeah. women on beaches and wonderful co-ed dorms. And I just used to cry. Like in a million years, I'd never be able to afford that. But I just did it as a lark just because I needed a third. That's funny. Marywood was always... 1A. It was always the place I had intended to go. I was never really – I thought about maybe the local Penn State for two years and the big Penn State for the other two. But the local one didn't have what I want. And the U, you know, kind of nothing against the U, fine school. But Marywood had a little TV station at the time on cable. They had the radio station and that's that's it. You know, that was pretty much – I made up my mind really quick. But am I correct? This is like what, 78, 79? Uh, graduated in 79. So wasn't Marywood still then dominated by females or no? Was this the trend? It was 12% male when I was 12%. So was that a part? Like you're thinking, I don't know if I want to go to a school. Or it's the other angle you can take as well. All these women. It had a radio station. And that was, you know. But I'm saying it had a reputation as being a female school. That's my point. It did. That didn't bother you. And no, the the thing that concerned me, I'm not going to say it bothered me. It would have been, you know, I went to church, obviously. Not obviously, but if people don't, I did go to church. You're a Catholic guy who wasn't, yeah. who grew up here in the 60s, right? Exactly. But <laughs> it was going to a Catholic school that concerned me. Like, right. I wasn't sure if I would fit in. Oh, I see. 
And I always tell the story on the blog. The first time I walked into the rotunda, the liberal arts building, and you saw this <laughs> Vatican-like <laughs> structure, and it was just so beautiful and awe-inspiring and, and, and intimidating. I walked in there for the first time because the admissions office was at the back of the rotunda. If you walk in the main doors, you go straight back at the admissions right. office. Right, okay, right. I had to pick up a packet of new student information the summer after I graduated but before I started. And I walked in and I just looked up. I will never fit in here. Meaning what? You were intimidated I, by yes, the grandeur? Very, very much so. Really? Yeah. And I thought, I'm a dead man. I will be out of here in two months. Get out. So you saw this this architectural structure. Yes. And, if you, and it if, is intimidating. If, in, and if anyone who hasn't been there, please stop by. The rotunda by. is beautiful. It is, it, you know, it's, Marywood is kind of hidden in a part of Scranton where a lot of people, it's a little off the beaten path. But it is a gem. But does this tie into your anxiety? Yes, yes. your worry thing? Because, yes, I, because most I, students have the opposite feeling like, I'm ready. Because when your evolution sets us up, when you're 16, 17, 18, no. you're cocky, you're no. youthful, no. you're a spring flower, Not me. you'll bloom anywhere. Not me. <laughs> I, confidence, self-confidence has never been one of my strong points. But people are going to be find that hard to believe because you're, you're this, this, this dude on the because news who's honest. That, that is like a coat you wear. Oh. You know, when, when I'm here, meaning in the building or on TV or in the newsroom or out representing the station, I, I'm not going to say I hide behind the job, but the job is front and center and I'm behind that. No, but, but it when, takes but when, confidence but and self-assuredness to get to that. But then if someone says, no, I don't want to talk to you, no, get out of here, and I've been thrown out of a lot of places, Yeah, they're saying no to the, not Andy, they're saying no to the TV person. Okay. Rejection on a personal level is much harder to take. Oh, and you can separate that. Yes. that's As a photographer I used to work with, say, that's like a coat you wear. Oh, that kind of makes sense. Boy, we're getting, I mean... Do I have my therapy uh, certification here? <laughs> you would be able to get your, your equivalency degree after that. <laughs> so, so that first week, month, semester, yeah. did you slowly grind in and fit in and think this is it? <sighs> no. Uh, <laughs> uh, a guy I went to high school with was also a radio and TV person there. So I, I hung with him, and he lasted all of one semester. We came from a pretty lousy high school. Yeah. And Come on, say the high school. Say it. it no, no, okay. Is it's, it Mid-Valley? Yes, it was the, but the <laughs> Mid-Valley of the 70s is a lot different than the, mid, the current Mid-Valley. Was the Mid-Valley then a new school, or was it, was it a, a the joint conglomerate? Was, yeah, conglomerate I think, I think it started in, the, in 1970. Like, okay, because so they all built these conglomerates in the 70s. Right, and we were in decrepit old buildings. One of them was actually condemned halfway through my sophomore year. Gotcha, okay. So yeah. half of my sophomore year and all of my junior year, we went a half day, so the other kids could use the school the second half of the I day. did the same thing in my high school. And I think that that benefited me, because in the afternoon, I'd go to Penn State's library in Dunmore and do my work there. And I, it was almost like being independent study. Huh. I think that helped me rather than a hindrance. But anyway, no, I, they've come a long way. They have new buildings. They have a new outlook. They've got new administration. From what I hear, it's a wonderful organization. But back then, it was pretty lousy. And back then, the rumors were, uh, you know, everyone knew someone on the school board to get a job, right? Uh, it was, I'm not going there. 
Well, I'm just saying that's the that's the wives' tales Some of, of the area. Some of our school directors Six. did go to jail for taking kickbacks. Okay. <laughs> but you know, and things have now gotten more politically correct. So all of those sins of the 60s, 70s, and 80s are gone. And I hope Most so. of them. I hope so. Them. All right. So there you were, um, uh, Mary Wood, though you're – you're 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 taking communication courses. You're taking religion re- and philosophy. <laughs> and you say religion begrudgingly. And French <laughs> and uh, literature and things that were not in my wheelhouse. So I had to work really hard to come out of there with okay grades. My communication stuff I'm was fine. I was hard near, to nearly, believe. nearly straight A in communications right. in my communication courses. In fact, they were, there was a medal for distinction in communication arts at graduation. A public relations person won it, and I was honorable mention. So I was the second best. So. Is that hanging up at Marywood now, I hope? Uh, it's probably somewhere in the archives. I didn't get I think if you won the medal, you got a little medal in a little box. If you were honorable mention, if you were second place, you got nothing. I think you got a mention in the, uh, in the I program thought, when you graduated. I thought you'd be wearing that medal now. No, I didn't get anything for it. Yeah. But I, I was very proud. Don't, don't get me wrong. You know, it's, it but, was, but, but I guess what I'm saying is you're finding your path. You're finding your strengths. It took a while. But eventually, yeah, I started, you know, figuring things out. And you're one of those guys that has that voice. You must have known at the time. I no, never. Good, no, I didn't. You got the golden <laughs> pipes. That's my fake radio voice. Yeah, there um, it is. It comes out. No, I, um, I didn't have my growth spurt until like 10th, 11th grade. Physical, emotional, I'm Both? still I'm still emotionally no no <laughs> uh, no physically yeah I'm you know not that I'm a tall person now but I was a small puny skinny scrawny kid until like ten is that right grade. yeah late, like late bloomer like what one thirty five oh I couldn't even I, used, I finding pants was an issue even into my twenties get out you know, of I'd here. have to go into the the prep department at J C Penney's like for, <laughs> where high school kids would get their stuff sport coat we like along the sport coat like when I started my radio and you had to. Dressed nicely in the early 80s, you know, size 36, you know, which was incredibly hard to find. That's as small as they come. So you're a little man. You're yeah. learning the game. With a big heart. You're, 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 you're taking these diverse courses. What was your science elective, by the way? Uh, at the time I was there, you had to take two science and one math or one math or two maths and one science. I come took, on, interest me. Give it to me. I took two sciences. One of them was astronomy. And one of them was the one that everybody had to take. It was called Matter, Energy, and oh, Technology. Oh, okay. A very general, earthy yeah, science. It was, it was like a junior high course, actually. Even the math wasn't all that hard, and I don't like math. You got to give me something from astronomy. What, what, what? Because that is, in many ways, contradictory to the whole Catholic layout at the university, which is odd. Well, they offered it. and it's I just, know. I'm it, just saying. What, did anything change your perspective on the universe then? No, it was all stuff I kind of knew anyway. You know, okay. So very general introductory. Planets, stars, sure. Beetlejuice? Uh, I don't remember that, but I remember you know, just talking about stars. And even though Beetlejuice is a constellation, just a lot of stars and planets. It's a stuff. super giant star. How about hydrogen fusion? Do you get into all that? Elements being produced? Uh, no. No. But I'm I didn't. Trying. I remember enjoying the course. Excellent. All right. So now you graduate from Marywood. Well, let's go before that. Okay. You're a senior. You're, I, I imagine this whole time you're living at home. Why, why You're five, ten miles away, right? Sure. Um, um, time to find a job. No. Are you getting stressed? No. I got my first professional paycheck radio job when I was a sophomore. 
So this was like an internship at the uh, no, uni- no, it was a paying. They needed. I had a friend who was working at Warm, and they had an opening for. It was called. We used to not derogatory. It was called the God Squad. You know, on Sunday morning, from one in the morning until nine in the morning, you would play the religion and the public affairs shows. Okay. In those days, they were on at the, at the college radio. No, station? no, this was at Warm. At this Warm, was okay. The Mighty five ninety. This was like money. I was getting money. And they would be on, like, big LPs or on reels of tape. And you would just put the reels of tape on, you know, hit play, and then that would be over. Then you'd play a couple of public service announcements and a couple of other things, and you'd play another show, and you would do that for eight hours on a Sunday morning. That was you. That was me. Your voice never heard, no personality, never, nothing. Never, ever. But then one day on You're a Sunday— You're a background jammer. Correct. Then one day on a Sunday morning—let me take a sip of water. Here he goes. He's sipping. He's drinking. He's smiling. The person who was supposed to come on at 9 o'clock in the morning at DJ misread the schedule and didn't come to work. So it was a Sunday morning, 9 <laughs> o'clock. It was snowing. There's a handful of cancellations, you know, some church services. And Warm was big on weather coverage, sure. cancellations, AccuWeather. So I thought, what do I do? You know, this person always cut it close. You know, his shift began at 9. He'd walk in the door at 8.59. Sounds familiar. The, no, he he passed away several years ago and was just the most wonderful person you ever want to meet. So I thought, all right, you know, I'm not going to panic and call him because he always cuts it close. And it's, you know, it's nine o'clock; he's still not here. So what do I do? So I just went on the air. You know, but is the is the anxiety uh, the bulldozer anxiety? Is it no? Is it, it bubbling to the surface? I had already been on the air for a year and a half, two years at Marywood's radio station, so I knew how to do it. It was oh, just just doing it here. So I did it, and I did it, you know, for an hour until he finally realized the error of his ways after I called and him. you loved it. The juices were flowing. No, because I thought I'd get in trouble. <laughs> see, I didn't have, see, there's the worry and anxiety <laughs> coming back I didn't have again. clearance from management to do it. <laughs> so the next time, I don't think I worked a couple of days down the road. And I thought, well, this is it. You know, I'm going to come in. I'm going to get my rear end handed to me. And they were fine. I said, no, you did great. You did the right thing. So that was the end of that. And so from then on, I was on the air. Well, what? I was going to say, do you feel that as a, as a, as a life-altering bifurcation in the road of Andy Palumbo? Yeah, 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 dumb luck, like a lot of things. No, but did that, did that, is that the ignition for the new you? No. A lot of it, and I, I, I've told this story to the family, um, the late Timmy Carlson was there at the time. And for some reason, and I don't know why. Sports icon. Yes, but back then he was 3 to 7. He was the afternoon DJ. Very Did a great show. But for some reason, and don't ask me why, he took an interest in me. So he would have me do fake newscasts, and then I'd give him the tape, and then a couple of days later he would you know, leave me notes, critique me, do this, don't do this. Right. Then when I finally rose to a level he thought was acceptable, he played these tapes for the news director, the late Jerry Heller, and Jerry said, oh, okay, we'll start working him in a little bit. And then that's what, you know, those, those two events, Timmy's help and just being in the right place at the right time when my relief didn't show up sort of gave me the little boost. And there's a million stories like yours. That's how life occurs and happens with one person makes a difference mm-hmm. and or luck. Right. And a combination of those two can be explosive. Yeah. And that's what happened. Mm-hmm. So, so then I started, I was the swing man, as they called it. It's still part-time, All right. but if they needed a DJ, I was a DJ. If they needed somebody to work a news shift, I did a news shift in the station, and then I started going out and reporting. So, And plus, and this is what I always tell kids, take a lot of credits your first years in school 
because by the time my junior, I went 18 credits my first four semesters, and I went every summer. So by the time my junior and senior year rolled around, I was never there. Yeah, but that was your plan to load up uh, early and load then up just early, taper off? and then I was free. You know, and so when <laughs> when the station needed when Warm needed somebody to fill you had in all or, this free time. Yeah, you know, pick up the phone and you know they'd call. And, yeah, sure, I'm free. Yeah, and if you're a little younger, just by a little. Then Andy, as he speaks, I do know this at least. Warm was king. Yeah. For for those of you who don't realize, that would be like getting a job at WNEP now, or, or right, and it a was major a thing. <laughs> media market. And I told so you at Warm had to fulfill all your fantasies. It did. It was the one of the station I listened to as a kid, and, and now you're working. There. And it was still. You talk about intimidation factor, like Marywood was. It was really, you know, you're working with. You know, Ron Allen and Jerry Heller and Ray McGuire and Vince Sweeney and Steve St. John and Jim Gannon. Everybody's Randall listening. And Terry McNulty. And icons. You're, you're working with these gods yes. in radio. I'm like, oh, my God, what am I doing here? You know, it was, yeah, that was really interesting. And what year is this? Uh, started there doing the uh, weekend stuff, um, April 1981. So just for perspective again, when did FM, because you're the radio guy, Right. become dominant if you had to give it a two three year period that was in at least in this market rock 107 came on late 70s and then krz hit in i want to say fall 80 and they took over as the number one station later on in 1981 they had a couple of see so, so, yeah see i need to get that perspective out there because I'm 13, 14, just right. when you start listening to the radio mm-hmm. and buying albums. Right. And to me, of course, it's KRZ. It's Rock 107. FM is where it's at. Mm-hmm. AM is an old person thing fading away. And this is the beginning of the end, as you are there, kind of. It was. I yeah. mean, it was not known at the time. <laughs> it wasn't my fault. No, I don't mean it that way. But it was the beginning of the end. It was an evolution. Unbeknownst to them. Yeah, we got away from the music and the DJs and yep. we started working in more talk and more sports. And that's we went in that direction. But you loved it. Uh, uh, we were still doing news. We were still winning awards. We were still kicking butt. There was one other news station in town and we regularly CDL? killed them. No. I okay? No. I, said, I don't know what CDL it is. CDL wouldn't hire me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I did. I uh, interviewed for a job there. I think I was a freshman at Marywood, and I went in and read some copy, and it was horrible. You went all, all the way up on the mountain in Yeah, Carbonell. Melanie Mountain. And uh, who they hired instead of me was a guy named John Gasper, who you know as Webster. John Webster. Yes. He was this. hired. We both were up for the same job, and I, he deserved it. I wasn't very good. And Whoa. Yes. But what if you got that? Could that have been a whole different? Oh, yeah. Sure. But he got it, and I didn't, and he was the better candidate. And uh, and I wonder how long he was there before he got Rock 107 scooped him up. Don't remember. No, he was, I think he worked in the business office before he went on the air. And something like that. Bits. Yeah. By the way, he's episode number something, Mr. Yeah, Curiosity. he was one of the early ones. And by the way, he um, doesn't really have a passion for music or radio, which I found odd. He just kind of stumbled into that career. Yeah. <laughs> you know. he, didn't, he, didn't he study to be a teacher at East Stroudsburg yes, or something? Yes. No, he was in that program, yes. and then it never completed. Unbelievable. All right, so now you're how old? Where are we in life? We have to go through the arc. Uh, I, was at, I was at Warm from 81 to 91. So oh. that's pretty much my entire 20s. I did not know that long. Yeah. Full and part-time, 10 and a half years. So, talk, you know, and again— 
I'm not dissing WARM, but talk about the decline. You were right there for yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, and they uh, – From its peak yeah. to its demise. Yeah, they were number one when I started. And I'm not going to say – don't say demise, but when I left, they were struggling. Right. Which was one of the reasons I left. And it's, of course, nothing with them or personal or business practice. It's simply the evolutionary – arc of yeah, that was part FM, of it. They, they, AM, they also, media. They also made some bad decisions. Well, maybe they did. I don't know. But So you're there till 91. And the signal deteriorated. They had a lot of problems with the transmitter plant. Yeah, I was there for No, but I'm telling you, no one years. my age group even considered AM. No, not at all. It was passe. Yeah. And that's a big part of what happened. Now it's the demographics. It appeals to an older crowd and, you know, the talk radio stuff. And I think they're playing country music now, but. So ninety. So what happens? What happens in eighty? What happens in 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 ninety ninety one? Are you are you struggling for a job? Do you see the end? Is <laughs> it like that or again more dumb luck? <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend at Channel Twenty Two, <clears throat> Penny Lindgren. I don't know if you remember. Penny. I of course remember Penny Lindgren. Love Penny. Great girl. And it was. A Valentine's Day of 1990, and another reporter there, Joan Murray, who's now in Florida, don't know that one, was having a Valentine's Day party for everyone who was single and had nothing to do that night. So Penny didn't like to drive at night, so she said, "Would you come up to the station to pick me up and take me to Joan's party tonight?" Could this have been a dating uh, no. approach too? No, 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 no. Could have been a come on. I don't, that's how I would no. have taken it. No, no, we were friends. So when I'm at the station picking Penny up, I run into the news director. Of 22. Of Jim DePuri, who I'm still in touch with. You know, uh, again, a great guy, somebody who always believed. But anyway, I, I, I'm getting far afield here. So we, he knew me from my radio work. We chatted up. We hit it off. We get along great. And he said, look, we got this thing we're starting. And I don't know if you remember this, but doing little 30-second updates every hour was a TV station thing for a while to try to separate them. They did them here. They did them at Channel 22. So we said, we need, not. we need somebody for, like, weekends. I said, well, you know, I work six days a week on the radio. I can probably give you Saturdays. He said, yeah, why not? So he hired me to do that. And um, that and are you it. still you're staying at the radio I'm, station? I'm full-time. At the, I'm working seven days a week for, like, a year and a half. You hear that, all you slackers, all you – you hear that, all of so you, uh, no on, one wants on, to work anymore? On, on Saturday, I'm doing these little updates at Channel 22 and helping out on the assignment desk. And then Sunday through Friday, I'm working full-time at the radio station. But with really no TV background at all, correct? I'm sure you were trained at Marywood. I did but some at Marywood, but not a lot. And uh, when you walked into the 22 uh, building, which was separate from 28, then was it uh, intimidating? Was it like, oh, my God, like all these- a little bit, but everybody was nice and friendly and it was in last place. And there was a certain uh, unpretentiousness about it. Let's oh. just say that they were a young, hungry bunch and they, they were good people. So uh, so this is so I started on St. Patrick's Day of 90 with the part time work. That fall rolls around. There's a full-time opening. They said, do you want it? I said, let me think about it. Let me think about it. Why let me think about it? I don't know. I was... You see the, you see the end, I, I do, but I thought... The collapse I thought, I thought of AM? I thought the pony had a few more miles left in him. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but... The, we could, if we whip it a little more, maybe he could get over the finish line. 
By the way, and, I want to and, ask you this: were, were you well known as a as the guy, a radio guy by then? Because this it's out of my uh, realm. Like everyone, you said they were familiar with your work. Well, were you see, up there? News people look at things differently. You know, news people listen to the news stations in the car and and at home because they want to know what's going on. They want to know what everybody's doing. Right. And we were we had a pretty good news department at Warren. We had like seven people. We had a lot of good. People. And you were one of those seven. Correct. So I said no. Whoa. Yes. I said no. So this you was You thought it over. Deep thoughts. I took it was a Sunday. I took a long ride up to Susquehanna County and back on all the back roads, not eighty one. And I just thought, eh, something about this just doesn't feel right. Okay. They were fine, so I continued with the part-time stuff. Actually, they, I got a, a few more hours. I'd May I ask who that position was? Did someone leave or no? Someone I would know. This is a reporter position you turned yeah, out? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, it could be like a Monday through Friday reporter position. Yeah. And you say no. I think it might have been it might have been Joan Murray who left. I'm not sure. I think, anyway. That's so, hard to believe. So I said no. Was it pay-related or just total? No, it just, it just didn't feel. No, the money was comparable. It didn't and feel And it, right. it was a better schedule. And uh, That's what I mean. It's, no, it just, it just didn't feel right, so I didn't do it. So I, I thought usually, usually that's your, you sign your own death warrant when you do that, <laughs> when you turn down a job. So I'd continue with the part-time work on TV, full-time on the radio. And then in the spring of 91, they weren't happy with the morning show. At, on the radio, and they thought they needed to young it up, and, and they moved the news director to afternoons and me to mornings, and that just was not a good fit. You know, I wasn't happy. I didn't think it was what I was best suited to. You mean you weren't the upbeat morning? I know I was the morning DJ. I was kind of guy they wanted. No, I was the, one of the morning news people. Okay, and but. morning mornings on radio—that's prime time. And this was seen as a promotion, but I just – I wasn't getting out on the road as much as I used to. I was just anchoring, and I was carrying a lot of the weight. And there was – like I said, they moved the news director to a worse shift. So there was – even though I had nothing to do with it, it was just awkward between he and I. And it just – I was not happy. I was miserable. I was tired all the time. And, and this is how long after the turndown? Uh, Months, turned, weeks? Turned it down in March, and I think I moved to mornings the next late winter, spring. Okay, so we have uh, almost a year. Mm-hmm. Are you chewing it out the whole time? I should have taken that job. No. No. <laughs> no, it, that, that, so six months on the morning show had passed on the radio, and somebody else leaves the TV station, and they come back with another offer. But, but are because you that iconic or there's no one else available? Why does everyone want Andy Palumbo? Well, you know, I, I do an okay job. I don't I mean it that way. I'm, I and, hope you and, don't take it that this way. This news director and I. But usually there's one job and there's 100 applicants. Yeah, true. But this news director, like me, we're still in touch. You know, we had drinks when he was in town over this the This guy wants Andy Palumbo. Yeah. And <laughs> strange. I'll get to the rest of the story later. I freelanced for him when he worked at another station in Harrisburg. But anyway. Um, come back with another offer, and in September of '91, and I said, eh, "Yeah, oh, oh. I, I don't like change." Life moment. I don't like change. I know you don't. Life moment. There it is, because you're still worried about riding the bulldozer. Yeah. So I so I took it <laughs> and stayed there till summer '96. 
That's when WNEP begins. But I want to know about no, those. No, that was, that was summer 98. Oh, okay. So summer Ooh, 90. I don't know about that two-year gap. So then. summer 90. So well, this is a tumultuous time. <laughs> no, but those five years, it would, what, did you like it? You're Yo, Derry Burr. had Bird, a great time. They, uh, Barry Finn. They were the greatest bunch of people. You know, we didn't have a big staff. We didn't have the greatest equipment. But we got it done. There were some really good people there. And when you were there. Yes. The, 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 the process of the thought of the time is WNEP is the king. Yeah. Uh, we have to emulate them. Why are they doing this? Why are they so good? We have to beat them. No, is it you, that? You, you, no, what? you knew. Here's why. First of all, doing a great job up here. They had a lot of people. They had the helicopter. They had they had all the toys, and they had a great reputation. And they did a wonderful job. You know, they they deserve to be number one. We did our staff wasn't as large. The station didn't have the greatest reputation. Going back to the WDAU days when they weren't putting any money into it, and there really wasn't much of a reason to turn the dial. And we had a lot of turnover on the anchor desk. Right. We had a lot of problems, but. The thing I learned, you know, like I can't – I've got no control over the ratings. I'm just going to go in every day. I'm going to do the best job I can and things take care of themselves. So then, you know, I worked my way into a little anchoring, which I really didn't want to do. I produced a little bit. New owners come in in 1996. And like I said, I was like the main fill-in anchor guy. I was doing mornings. I was doing evenings. There was one, there was one week where I did the morning show a couple of days. The afternoon shows a couple of days, then I did the 11 on a Friday night. Was it still at that point a family-owned business? Well, it was For a lot of our listeners, they don't realize all the TV stations and radio stations in this area, 50s, 60s, 70s, pretty much started out family-owned, and then here comes big corporate America. It wasn't the original family. It was owned by a corporation in Maine, but it was essentially a family-owned company. And they were really great people to work for. It was a company called Diversified Communications, which is no longer in existence. But mid-late 90s, here comes corporate America. Here they come, baby. And they say, you know, we'd like you to anchor the morning show. We're going to change the format. We're going to – you and somebody else, we want you to do the morning show. I said, yeah, I'm kind of happy being the fill-in guy. I'm happy. But, but see, there's. I'm ha- but it was gonna be. It was gonna be one of those shows. But isn't that it? Isn't no? That... They were changing the format, and it was gonna be a lot of interviews and recipes. Oh, I see. Not one your of kind those of thing. shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, here's you know, fluff. Talk to the woman from the National Rice Council about all the new rice recipes. You, you know, fluff. You're a stoic news guy. You don't want fluff. I didn't. So anyway, they said I turned said, it down. I, I, they said, "Hey, great." And then a few weeks later, they fired me. They, they called uh, me and Rich Everett and Jen Watson and Debbie Dunlavey into a conference room and offed us all at the same time. Okay, but is it, would that, would that have happened anyway? If you no, accepted that position? No, if I took the morning job, no. Because no, I, I respect the fact that you stood your ground. You said, I'd rather get fired than do this nonsense. Yeah, well, it wasn't. It wasn't like do it or get fired. Uh, no, right, but they that's how they, it turned out. They, yeah, exactly. They that's said it was, it was fine when I turned it down. <laughs> hey, great, that's one. That's one. And then uh, you know, a few weeks later, and I'm gone. So that day, you guys were laid off, fired, whatever term you want to use. Mm-hmm. Did you know a day before it was coming? I had, a, I had a feeling. Oh, you did have a feeling. And I was working with a photographer who's since left us. And I said, Bob, I have this feeling they're going to fire me. He said, no, nah, they'll never fire you. You do too much here. You're too great. You do too many different things. If they fire you, I will help you carry your stuff to your car. <laughs> I 
So I got fired, and I saw him later that day, and he felt worse than I did. You know, so, <laughs> he just felt awful. And uh, but anyway, so here you are in your mid thirties, um, and and yeah, and life throws you a uh, right a gutter ball, mm-hmm. and now what? So the person who had hired me <laughs> had moved on to a station in Harrisburg. And so I'm networking. The news director from that station? The news director from 22, who'd gotten fired himself a few years prior. In Harrisburg. Is now in Harrisburg running Fox 43, who now happens to be in the same company that we are. So, but this was long before then. And I said, I was networking, just making phone calls. Yeah. I said, Jim, you know, here's what happened, yada, yada, yeah, I heard, I heard, I heard. I said, look, I got a married couple out on, on honeymoon, and I've got somebody out on maternity leave. Why don't you come down and help me out? So I went down and freelanced. I did not know. See the yes. So I worked. My top five friend here at WDP. I never knew that. So I worked in Harrisburg for a couple of weeks. Oh, okay. You were going to say a couple of years? No, a couple of weeks. (laughs) So then a full time job at Channel Twenty Eight opens up. Oh man. When you were those two weeks down there, did you like it or did you think uh, this is passing? This is no, a, uh, it was this fine. Is a it brief was, exit in my life. No, I was. I thought maybe you know if I hung it, you know, <laughs> there, a full time job would have opened up eventually, and I could you could have, have relocated. That could have been your I, new place. I could have. All right, but but uh, you know, I was a homebody, and I didn't want the feeling that this company that had come in and fired me threw me out of town. Yeah, right. I had something to prove. So Channel Twenty Eight has an opening. I get that. <laughs> So I'm back here in September 96, working for Channel 28. And this is the way I liken it. A job is like a suit. You see the suit on the rack. You see it on the hanger. It looks great. You put it on. It's not right. You just don't like the way it looks. You don't like the way it feels. You don't like anything about it. That was my Channel 28 experience. But you don't know until you try it on. That was the problem. So back in those days, it was a union shop. Unless it's a Speedo, then you know it's a uh, enough. Back in those days, it was a union shop. After 90 days, you were in the union, and you were untouchable. On day 88, they said, yeah, this isn't working out. Here's a check. This is not true, This Andy. is very true. I made it 88 days. But, but, but why? You, you, well-respected, we well-known. Is this personal? The, the, guy, the guy who hired me was fine. Then he gets promoted. He leaves. And a new news director comes in. And do you ever have somebody who you just take an instant dislike to? <clears throat> yes. And vice versa. Yes. So we just were not on the same page. We just were not getting along. We just didn't. So he was well aware she, of your 80. She was she, well aware of your 88 coming up to 90 oh, days. Yes. Yeah, this she, was strategic. Oh, clearly. Yeah, this was no accident. Oh, my goodness. So on day 88, like I said, after 90 days, they couldn't touch me. You were in the union. So on day 88... It was a Saturday morning, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, November uh, 96. So hand me a check, see it. And I hated to lose the job, but it was a relief being out of there. I wasn't happy there. I was miserable. I wasn't, you know, it, just, it was not a good fit. But being a victim but like of I said, circuit- I'm not going to say anything bad about them. They were nice people. Right. But they had their way of doing things. I had mine. It was just not a good fit. And plus the timing, it was just not right. But being the victim of circumstances. Right. Or maybe some personal intricacies we're not aware of. I'm not. Job number one ends. Job number two ends. Mm -hmm. Job number three ends. Right. Job number four ends, which is this one, 28. Right. Are you thinking at the time... Maybe I'm just not cut out for this. No. Maybe 
Or do you know this is not personal? Do you know this is just you getting back on track? Well, I'm sure part of it was personal, and I that, that would bad. rip apart anyone's self-esteem. Oh, clearly think. it did. But you know, it was just such a bad situation that it was a relief being out of there. Right. So I'm out of <laughs> you know I'm out of work for a few months. So a job opens up at Channel 22. Producing the morning show that I didn't want to anchor. <laughs> so I'm looking at the potential for my unemployment running out. This is two, three months of uh, unemployment, you're yeah, saying? Yeah, more than that, I think. But uh, th- during those two, three months, are you, are you, you, I'm willing to travel to Miami. I'm willing to go where I got to find a job. I'm, 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 I'm hyperactive. No, I interviewed for a couple of jobs outside the biz. And I didn't. I couldn't get hired for those because they saw me as someone who, as, as soon as a broadcasting job opened up, he'd be out of here. So oh. they didn't think I'd be there long term. Okay. So even though I aced interviews and all the tests I was given, I didn't get the gig. So I go back to Channel Twenty Two to produce the morning. <laughs> you to take produce that the, job. to produce the morning <laughs> show that I didn't want to anchor. So this three, four years after, uh, did, did a lot of things change, or is it like, no, oh, yeah, you're back? A lot of it changed. A lot of the people I knew were there. Yeah, you know, and Derry, <laughs> Derry was anchoring the show, and Derry was, uh, I love Derry, great guy to work with. Jeez. So I do that for eleven months, and what happens? Channel twenty two and twenty eight merge, and so I would be going back to the people who fired me after oh, eighty eight days. So what they did was they said, well, we're not going to fund your position. Which meant, boom, he's gone again. Truly? Yes. So I had been fired three times in two years. Oh, my. Was the woman who fired you still a part of the yes. station when they merged? Yes. So she saw and she you eventually co- got fired herself. You're like boomerang. I got rid of this guy. He's coming back. Right. But no, I wasn't. Fu- my position wasn't fun. It wasn't fun. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm calling networking people again. How long did this last? Before that firing? Uh, 11 months. Producing 11 the months? Yes. Was it feeling good during those 11 months? It was tough. You know, we, I didn't have much to work with because the new company had gutted the place. And we didn't have a lot of resources, but we did some decent shows. We did okay. 98 are we at now? Uh, we're into now. It's May 98. And is the the merger you saw that coming or no? Was yeah, oh, yeah. They, oh, they announced it long ago. Yeah, before you know, they called me in and said your position isn't being funded because we had to interview for jobs and apply for our jobs. And anyway, so I'm networking again, and I call <laughs> a guy in Charleston, West Virginia, who not the first director I worked with at Channel 22, but a later news director, Bob Yuna. Again, another guy I'm still in touch with has been great to me over the years. Because they love Andy Palumbo. What's not to love? I know. So he's in Charleston, West Virginia. Channel 8, WCHS. Come on down. So I go on down. We talk. We, you know, you know, go over. You know, nice town. You know, nice station. Yeah. He said, do you want the job? It's yours. I said, Bob, I'd like to find something closer to home. He said, take two weeks. Figure it out. You know, I'll hold it open for two weeks if I need a decision. Okay. So in the meantime, I'm a lark. I take the chance and call Paul Stuber here at WNEP. <laughs> Paul Stuber at the time, the news director. Right. Come this on. is where our lives converge. Yes. <laughs> Come on up. We'll talk. Showed him a tape of my stuff. Well, I, was he aware of you since you're a local icon? Oh, yeah. At the time? Yeah, okay. Uh, I, um, 
he sent me a rejection letter years ago when I was on the radio, which was just the most nastiest, horriblest rejection letter you ever read in your life. Which I showed to him after he hired me, but I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Could have been jealousy. Could have been competition. I Wanted to kill so. the competition. But anyway, loves me. We get along great. Show him the tape. Likes my stuff. You're hired. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> there were people here who didn't like me, who weren't here anymore. But there were people here who didn't like me, who thought, you know, this guy had been fired three times in two years. I had a reputation. It's kind of being maybe difficult to get along with. But I don't see that. And I've been here working with you for I've 20 mel- plus years. I, I don't, I, maybe some people would see it, but these people didn't. And the people who said that didn't know me all that well. So I call him again. He said, you know, uh, this might not work. Okay. So I'm also networking with a former general manager and this news director from West Virginia. They, without me asking, call Stuber and say, look, he's not the axe murderer that you heard he was. (laughs) So I originally interviewed for the Action 16 job, the investigative reporter job. Which was void from uh, who leaving? I think okay. Tom Burnett left. Tom Burnett, okay. So they compromised. They said, well, we'll give you, we'll give you this job, which was producing the weekend morning show. <laughs> you see, folks, how it's happening here? You see <laughs> what's happening. This, and the assignment desk. <laughs> oh, so there's no on-air reporting. No, this is... I was not on, my air, on the air here for almost a year after I started. I was just producing and on the assignment desk. Which was fine. I was having a good time. I remember that so, vaguely because I started here full time in 99. Right. So we – and part of your change intersected my life because you went from weekends to mornings. Yes. And Noreen went from two mornings a week to weekend mornings. Yes. So the weekend morning team was Christina Brown and Noreen Clark. There were issues. It was – there, the, the, it just didn't – the newscast did not gel. Let's just say that. It was tough to watch. Nothing against Noreen, nothing against Christina. So I get called into Stuber's office one day, and he said, you know, help me out. I need a third person out there to break it up a little bit. Yeah, fine. So I was – Christina and I co-anchored for nearly a year. And it seems like so much longer now that I think No. Back. So she decides to leave in August of 2000. And then it was mine solo ever since. And then we had a producer for a short time, Suzanne. 22 years. Yeah. Weekend mornings yeah. with Andy Palumbo. Yeah. 22 yeah. years. A 22-year-old man or woman listening now. Was not born. Would find that hard to believe, that your whole life, mm-hmm. their whole life. Yeah. And that was, long story short, Christine and I were just beginning to figure out the co-anchor thing. You know, we were beginning to, you know... It, sometimes it takes time. Sometimes there's instant, you know, you figure things out. Sometimes it takes a little longer. <laughs> and then she decides to sell pharmaceuticals, and I, I get a note from her from time to time. So, And then it was just Noreen and myself from 99 till, what, four years ago when Noreen retired? The firing streak ends. You slide. But the potential is always there, my friend. <laughs> doesn't, well, you're at the point in life now it doesn't matter. You're like... <laughs> Well, fire I mean, me. I'm not, not going to say that, but fire me. Here comes Social Security mm-hmm. and Medicare and unemployment. And that brings us to today. Whoa, that's quite a ride. I did not know a it lot was of those. Tough. I felt bad for my because fa- I understand the way the business works. I understand what goes wrong. I understand that getting jobs, losing jobs, 
the mobility, the instability of the TV business. But I felt bad for my family, you know, because one of the worst days of my life was when I had to tell them I lost the 28 job. I can see that. It was horrible. I felt worse for them than they did for me. And are they encouraging? Like, oh, that's okay. Well, you know, no, they, things they, are coming. They, they, what, were, what they were fine. You know, they. Uh, the thing about we gave each other a lot of space, you know. And, and, yeah. and looking back, you know, it was horrible to lose a job, but I needed a break for a few months, and it was just nice to just decompress. And, and it, all worked, it all worked out in the end. And from this entire uh, arc of your life so far, there's no marriage. There's no kids. There's plenty of ladies because I remember hearing some stories. <laughs> but do you do – you, do you... That is one of my great failings in life. Don't say No, failings. it is. That's not a failing. There was somebody mid-20s who I did not treat as well as she had deserved. Right girl, wrong time in my life. And I later apologize. And we get along great. She's in New Jersey. And we, we still message and talk from time to time. We get along great. And I have apologized for my behavior. <laughs> and then yeah. later on, there was somebody who I thought this was the one. She didn't think so. <laughs> and now I've uh, reached out several times, over not several times, a few times over the years and tried to Hey, how you doing? And I, I hear nothing. So, but you admit yourself right here in this podcast, you are a guy stuck in your way. So that uh, a well, lot back of... then I wasn't, and I could have, and you know, and you know, it, it this just... woman listening right now could be out there, the one made for you. I You've can... never met her. You've never talked to her. She could hear this podcast, send you an email, and the rest of your life could start. That was the whole plot of Sleepless in Seattle, by the way. <laughs> oh, see. No, I you know you know you never you never know you never know. All right, this is interesting. Yeah. I love it. I like I said I uh, I think about both of them often, and if uh, no one on their deathbed ever said I should have spent more time at the office, no, that's... and I think uh, I spent maybe I I love my job. The station treats me great, but sometimes I I should have stopped to smell the roses a few times over the years. You hear this, folks? The this isn't a confessional. It's a podcast. <laughs> but You were an altar boy. But <laughs> three Hour Fathers and Three Hail Marys yeah, for your I sins. So. No, I... I be, well, be, be before when, this... You, when you look at the scorecard of your life on your death, deathbed... <clears throat> excuse me, my throat's drying out. That's going to be an area that I regret. Yeah, but again, you're still a fairly young man, so you you can't say that as if... That road is closed because it's not. That's why I like having you here because there's, there's two people on the staff with gray hair. <laughs> well, that show it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Which we had a lot up, of people who did the we, shoe polish. We had polish this conversation thing. last Yeah, the shoe polish. We had this conversation last year. Let's go with the oldest, not necessarily oldest, but longest current full-time Newswatch 16 staff members. But you. You. Yeah, now that Tommy's gone, yeah, I've moved up to number one. There's a few people in the newsroom, photographers and I'm and the, Danny, our web guy. Who but I'm going to say on air. Not that we're special, but just to, so uh, the public I, realizes Steve this. Lloyd has been here longer, but I've been on the— Oh, he has. He's been—yeah, he was here when I got here, but he has. But he only has been on the air the last several years. So. Yeah, so that doesn't—I'm going to say you, yeah. me, Don Jacobs. Yeah, Don has been here longer. Kurt Aaron? No. Kurt Aaron's been here since 99 on the air, but I'm just saying. And we're in, Schaefer, I think, was a 99 person. And Schaefer. So we're all in the top five, six. This oh, is yeah. It. We're the elders. <laughs> we're the statesmen. 
Yeah. We're the veterans. Yeah. We're, yeah. the, we're the ones the kids avoid because we're stuck in the past. <laughs> and I still might see myself as like this new young punk. How does the how does mental illness portray itself for you? No, you know why? Because we work with a lot of young people. We work in a business that's constantly changing. If you look at the gear we had in 98 when I started here versus what we have now. At tape yeah. consoles. And you know, they the fact that we're doing podcasts and we're doing Roku and Fire TV and WWE. We roll with the changes. Cable. Yes. And I think that keeps you young. And plus, we have a lot of fun. And we're good looking for our age. For our age. <laughs> as long as you have that qualifier. <laughs> well, the last thing I want to cover, because a lot of folks don't realize your odd shift, number one, and what you do in a typical um, weekend shift. Because, you know, I, I think people think... Here at WNEP, it's so glamorous. There's some makeup room, and then you pop out, and someone walks you to the uh, anchor desk, mm-hmm. and you talk for two, three hours, and then you go home with wads of money in your pocket. Here's the truth. You're working four days a week, yeah, 10-hour shifts. Yeah, closer to 11 a couple of days, but that's okay. And what you see on the weekend is your product is your product. I produce my own broadcast, yeah. And I'm not complaining. I kind of like that. Right. Because it's all mine, and I'm comfortable with the words because I wrote the words. And, and for that, the non-news people out there, what does that mean? They don't know. Uh, producer. You come in at what? Let's go through this. You come in. Friday night at 10, Saturday night at 10 p.m. Right. What happens at 10 o'clock? Uh, I go over the evening newscast. I look over their scripts, see what they have. I move things into from their broadcast into mine, change them a little bit, word them the way I want to word them, pick news stories that come in overnight from ABC and things that happen overnight, put it all together, make sure it times out quickly, and uh, just go on the set and read the words. All the words you read are yours. And not all of them. but Most of them. Yeah. And, and that's I, you, pretty you, you rare. Pick, you pick the stories, you put them in the order that you want them to you decide how much time each story should get. Yeah, that's it. But that's fairly rare in the biz, isn't it? Uh, smaller cities this size and smaller, no, not all that. No. But for, from my perspective with working with Mindy and Tom Williams in the past and now John Meyer, uh, right. there a lot of their scripts are not – done by them. Right. But they, they tinker with them. They, they alter. The, and, yeah, and sure. yeah, they do things and they do have a hand in it's the collaboration here in the morning is outstanding. That's Friday night. That's Saturday night. Sunday you leave here. Then what happens? Uh, I sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Monday and Tuesday, I, uh, I report. Also uh, coming in, writing your own scripts, sometimes out on shoots. Yeah. Coming up with ideas. See, let's what we can do today. Andy's worst Stories. He's said this through the years. Um, snowstorm. Here it comes. Always, We're going to put him on the streets. I, I, I've run out of things to say about <laughs> snow. You know, it's just, it's, it's bad. The Why road, do you call that position a snow monkey? Because there are times when it's not all that bad. And you, you walk, talk, point, show, <laughs> dance around. You stick the ruler in. You put the thermometer on the pole and you show the temperature. And you look for creative ways to show things. But that's that's your that's your least favorite of all your current roles. No, it's it's the small storms are the least favorite. You know, when you get the blizzard, you know, like we actually had fun during the blizzard. You hate to say it because it was such a horrible thing and people stuck on highways. Right, and, sure. But that was fun because that becomes it was more a, gritty news. Right? It was an adventure. It was a big event. But it's the little minor storms where I, I've run out of things to say about three inches of snow. 
Let's see if I can get this pure honesty out of you before we call it quits. Okay. I don't know. In this I, know hypo- I didn't hit the bell once. I, I mean, there, there have been some. <laughs> some I forgot t- about them. There, there have been some ticklish questions, but I never hit the bell. You're news director in this hypothetical universe. You're right. the uh, ruler of WNEP. Now, let's say you're combo news director and GM in this okay. hypothetical scenario. Oh, you're gone, by the way. I'm but, gone. That's no, my I, question. I, all right, forget What do you do with me? Um... No, hey, you know, if, if it ain't broke, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Things are things are going well. You got to know when to step in. You got to know when to step out, which is sometimes tougher than knowing when to step in. What do you say about my weather pieces? There's, I love the line. Here he goes. The one you when we used to do brown bag, that was of all the features you did. That was at the top of my list because it was the one I despised the least. <laughs> there it is. The one he despised the, the least. least. So therefore, is at the top of the list by default. <laughs> that hurts my feelings, Bell. All right, Bell. We, 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 how long have we been? We've, We've been, been going for about an hour. I want to thank you for your time. Andy has to do the uh, noon today. This yeah. guy never quits. He's not running on empty. He's running on full. Yeah, you're very kind. And that, my friend, is a wrap. And now you've got to take this into editing and edit out all the bad parts. Peace, all brother. It's all staying. I said to get it's in all staying. <laughs> thank you, sir. You're welcome. Curiosity. What are you so curious about? Everything. Mr. Curiosity.